Welcome back. This is episode 30, my personal journey to emotional regulation. Hope you enjoy this one. (sighs) This might be a long one. I don't know. I have two pages of notes of things that I don't want to leave out. So if I keep glancing for the live, that is why. Um, So I want to start obviously being honest and vulnerable and starting from the beginning. I am still and will always be a work in progress. I'm never going to stop working on myself, understanding myself, because the more I do, the better I am for others. Starting back in 2013, because anything before, I say my former life, anything before body wasn't healthy. Even if I was in a place where I was working on my health, it wasn't in a healthy way. So by starting with emotional regulation, I had nothing working for me in my former life. So it started in 2013 when I became a mom. And I have theory on this, but you know, having a baby postpartum life is hard. Undiagnosed or diagnosed and not having treatment or tools in place of ADHD and postpartum is really fucking hard. And my theory is that postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety is actually just a neurospicy brain that is going through hormonal changes and sleep deprivation and it can't regulate and it can't do the things. All of, not all of, but a lot of the the symptoms and the thoughts associated with postpartum depression, which I had a lot of. I also had a lot when I was in my low tides thoughts that my family and my friends would be better off without me, that I was truly the bane of their existence, things like that. Like I thought that on a pretty regular basis. And I'm very honest about all of that and how I was in my mental state back then. And you can even go back and listen to previous episodes. It's all there. I needed help. My undiagnosed ADHD was, I don't want to say manageable, but with, you know, some negative habits and a lot of habits out of survival, um, I was able to manage myself. But then when I took my massive always going to-do list and I added another human being that I was responsible for, like I didn't have enough room and capacity to handle both. I also needed to lose 100 pounds, which I say now is, I'm so grateful that I needed to lose 100 pounds because it is truly what put me on the path that saved me and is the reason that I am the person that I am today, doing what I'm doing, going to do what I'm going to do. And that is different. I started focusing on my health in a healthy standpoint this time because I was breastfeeding and I had to keep a baby alive so I couldn't just do the unhealthy things that I always knew. So I had to start focusing on my nutrition, exercising, and then the community that I was involved in was there for accountability and support and then the business that I started brought in personal development. And so I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about those things because they were so helpful. They were so helpful that I was able to get sober on my own and stay sober and be in a really good place about it. Like you, you can't, you don't get there without being able to regulate and handle your shit. Proper nutrition. And I'm not gonna, I'm not here to coach you. I mean, I am here to coach you if that's what you want. I'm just sharing 
information that you should know and that you need to know, right? So proper nutrition. We all need protein. That is a given. Protein should be included in every meal that you eat, but we aren't necessarily protein deficient. We are nutrient deficient. And that is so much of our issue. And I didn't know any of this. I didn't, I drink Shakeology. And one of the reasons that I do is, yes, it has enough serving to be considered like it's a full serving of protein, but it has tons of superfoods and vitamins and nutrients that, and things that we aren't getting in our diet even if you eat really clean, even the way that I'm eating right now. I am in my third week of a reset program, so we are strictly vegan. We have not had any caffeine or processed foods in today, six, day 16 today. Uh, I am down 10 pounds, my husband is down 12. The weight is not why we did this. But it is crazy to see how your body responds to whole foods. I've learned a lot about nutrition, mainly this, that your food absolutely affects your mood. And a lot of people think that we get our energy from food. Food is fuel. Food is not energy. Think about Thanksgiving dinner. Think about Christmas dinner. You ate a bunch of food. How did you feel after? Did you have a lot of energy? Did you want to go work out (laughs) or go outside and play some strenuous sports? No, no. So the food you eat can make it easier on your body to do the things and give you natural energy, or it can make it harder on your body to do the things and take away your energy. And that is important to know because you can change so much with just your diet. My daughter gets neurotherapy, which I will talk about later, and we, we're seeing a lot of inflammation in her scans, and it looked and seemed to be metabolic. So we took out gluten. And she had no gluten for eight to 10 weeks in between scans. We scanned her on a Monday, no gluten in her system. And then of course her, her brain is like mine and she wanted to make sure is gluten an issue. So how are we going to test this theory? I don't want to just see my brain off gluten and say like, oh yeah, the inflammation is gone. So that must be it and keep it out. Like there's always going to be the what ifs. I asked my therapist, what are your thoughts on letting me give her as much gluten as she wants and scanning her again in a couple days? And of course, we're all here for the data and the science. She loved that idea. When I tell you they were two different brains, they were two different brains. She doesn't have any physical symptoms with gluten, but it's like that commercial, here's your brain, here's your brain on drugs where they like have the egg and then they, and you've seen the meme where it's like your brain and then your brain on motherhood. It was like her brain and then her brain on gluten. It was mind blowing. Like they are doing studies on it. It's going to be written up in studies because the data is just insane. And there have been times where we have let her have something with gluten in it. And 24 hours later, she can't control her emotions. She can't control her emotions and they are so big. Emotional dysregulation. I have a friend that doesn't do any food dyes because her six-year-old recognizes that the colored foods make him crazy. Even after he was not having it anymore, he had something with red food dye in it and he was like, mommy, don't ever let me have this again. He's six. 
And he recognized that, I mean, because after you take something out and you see what life is like without it, then and only then is when you really see. And then accidentally or on purpose adding it back in to test the theory. A side note on that, Aldi's products, not like they're special buys or anything, but Aldi's products don't contain food dyes because it is a German company. So we get a lot of our snacks and things like that from Aldi's and the Aldi's brand because they don't have any food dyes. We are not 100% food dye free over here. We are two out of four gluten free and we work in stages. The Aldi's thing is a quick and easy, let me eliminate where I can. So I share that with you. I'm not here to tell you that you need to get rid of everything, but I'm telling you that your food could be affecting your mood more than you realize. I've experienced it, I've seen it. Regular exercise. I've always known exercise is a stress reliever, but there are even good ways and bad ways. And I don't mean like good exercise, bad exercise. I mean good mental capacity in exercise and a bad mental capacity in exercise. That's what I mean. So you need to find some way to also work the mind. Working with me, the podcast, those are excellent places to create the awareness, to understand, and also know when to put someone else's words in your head. That is one of my biggest tips. I, you know, Tony Robbins says it. I said it even before I went to a Tony Robbins event, but if you're in your head, you're dead. Like you, you can't stay in your head. So I usually have a process and I haven't had to do this for a really long time, if I'm being honest, but I always know that this is my process should I ever spiral again. And when I get thought, trapped in negative thoughts in my mind or trapped in a space in my mind, it's usually the, the depression, usually was, I would reach out to my support group. And for me, that is the women in my community that I work with that are body partners like myself because I love my clients, but I don't, bad news, bad energy doesn't go down. For me, I don't ever want to take anyone that I'm building up down ever. And I do share the realness always with them, but this is a different space. This is a space that I am reaching out from a place of I need to get what is in my head out so that I can see it for what it really is and I can move and start to work past it. Because before, until I get it out, my head will just keep supporting it. My head will believe it's true. But if I say it, if I send it in a message, if I say it out loud to someone else, there is someone, there is a voice in my brain that's like, hey, I call bullshit every time. It may take a minute or two, but I also do this. I have to validate my feelings, big ones, small ones, justified feelings, or made up, fe- like elaborate, whatever. I must validate my feelings because If I don't, what did we say last time? They're just going to fight to be heard. So I no longer dismiss things in my mind. I allow it a seat at the table. Okay, I'm sorry. I will hear you out. I know I probably sound crazy, but I found the calm. You know, I've been doing lives for a while now, for a long time, but I think that if you've been around for a long time, you can agree My energy is different. I don't cry on my lives like I used to. Um, I'm, I'm regulated. I don't know how else to say it other than I'm in control of what I wanna feel, how much, and and those things. So we're gonna keep going into it, but regular exercise. Now, I work out for like 30 to 45 minutes, four to five times a week, sometimes six a week. That's it. I don't spend hours a day working out. We're talking one show. 
right? I love streaming my workouts. I love working out at home. And here is why. It eliminates decisions for me. Meal prepping eliminates decisions for me. If I meal prep my food in jars, if I meal prep my food or plan my food for the week, I don't have to make those decisions the rest of the week. And that is worth it for me. The way my brain works. When I am in a good space and I've got that good energy on Sunday and I'm thinking it's going to be a great week, I plan and do the things then. In that space, your energy matters so much. I don't leave it for Monday after work when I'm like, damn it, take out. <laughs> it makes a difference. Those are some great tips. I also like working out at home because it is convenient. Now, I know some people actually need to get out of the house for them to actually do it. And whatever works for you, works for you. And that is what is important here. I'm still cheering you on. It, It's all good. Um, this is just me personally. I like it because, again, it eliminates, I don't wanna say excuses, but if it's really cold out, but no problem. If the roads are bad, no problem. If the kids stay home sick, no problem. Like I don't have all the extra things that make it hard for me to get there. So again, that makes it easier for me and I've been doing it for 10 plus years. Regular exercise releases stress and drops your cortisone levels and it helps you regulate your nervous system. It helps you regulate your emotions. I am way more calm after a workout than before a workout. We started doing our workouts in the morning in 2019. There was a morning meltdown 100 program and you were encouraged to do it in the morning. And I was not a morning person. I was not a morning workout person. I was like mid-morning, early afternoon, sometimes at night if, it, if that's what it had to be. But I will tell you, when I changed my workouts to in the morning, I was a different mom in the morning. I was, my energy was different. I was calmer because one, I made time for something for me first thing in the morning and it released all the, I wanna say like magoo energy out of my brain and my body during the workout and I was calmer. So it was a must before our morning, before I woke up my kids for school. It was a must for the bus stop routine. It was a must for the morning to have those morning workouts. It was a game changer for me. Did I like it? No. <laughs> Did I like how it made me feel? Fuck yeah. Like today we did a workout between the bus stops and I was like, man, it was yoga. It was a 20 minute yoga workout. And I was like, I forgot how great this makes me feel. And I'm recording today. I was too tired and didn't do it yesterday. Your energy matters, especially if you're neurospicy because you don't have an ongoing supply of dopamine to help you do the things. You have to create it yourself. All right, enough on that. If you need anything else, if you have any other questions on exercise, see me outside. <laughs> um, personal development. Oh my gosh, I could go on and on and on and on and on for this. I have a couple books that I want to recommend for my neurospicy individuals because so much of the struggle with ADHD is the negative self-talk is cutting ourselves down for doing things that are totally normal for our brain, but we don't realize that. And when you realize that that's just the way your brain works, you can stop harping on yourself. If you remove the blame, shame, and the guilt from ADHD, you can live in your superpower land, but you can't have both. You have to get to a point where you can drop the blame, the shame, and the guilt. That's when I stopped taking my ADHD meds. I needed them. I so needed them when I got them. But when I had done enough personal growth, I got to a point where I could remove, I didn't have the blame, the shame, and the guilt. And then if I did something stupid like 
left the house in my slippers, I would just laugh about it. And there was no negative talk after. I didn't say something in a conversation and then replay it in my brain 47 times. Okay, I still do that sometimes. But not in a beat myself up way, in a this is how I could have made it better way. So even that has changed. But personal development can be podcast, books. I do audible books. I also have started reading books, which is definitely new in the last couple years. Um, I wasn't a big reader because it was too hard for me to quiet everything else and focus on the reading. So that has been an addition since I've regulated all the things. Uh, So moving on, the next thing is accountability and support. This is so big because what did I say? If you're in your head, you're dead. You have to have someone that you can say the crazy to. And I say that with love. Like my best friend and I are constantly, and we will even be like, I'm just venting this out right now so I don't have to carry it. And then we know like, okay. And we're like, let it out. We're here for it. And that's what we do. Because sometimes we don't recognize the crazy about it. And I don't say crazy in a negative way. I mean crazy like crazy. You don't really think that. That's not the truth. And you just keep spiraling over it or whatever. But the negative talk, whatever you're stewing on that you can't get past because if you are stewing on it, you're focusing on the negative and your brain is just going to keep coming up with things to defend whatever you're thinking about. So you're not doing yourself any favors by staying in your head. So find a person, a group, and it can't all be venting. You know, that's, that's so my best friend and I, like I swear our texts should be a podcast in their own. <laughs> A lot, a lot, a lot of text though. But we are constantly celebrating the small wins, the big wins, the growth things, the two millimeter shifts, the the huge leaps that we didn't see coming. Like whatever it is, we are celebrating it. We are celebrating it in the text. And that is the main thread there is celebrating cool shit that is happening in our lives because of the work we're doing. And then every once in a while, a vent session. And it's not, when I say venting, it's about us. We are not venting about other people. We are venting about ourselves. And that is important because I don't want you to think that we're just there bitching because it is different and it hits different. More on that in the Words Matter episode. Find yourself some accountability and support. That was one of the things that I really loved about body is that I was, I had the accountability and support for my own personal physical journey in private groups. I needed the private, but yet not just me. I needed to see other people like me doing it so that I could find some belief that I could do it too, because I am very much visual. So if I see other people doing the things, making the changes, getting the results, I will actually believe that I can do it because I've seen it. So that is why I also share and I've been sharing for 10 years. Moving on, we're going to talk about, which I've kind of already touched on, shifting the focus. And this has come from a lot of work, and a lot of practice. But when we are talking about emotional regulation, being able to shift your focus is a muscle worth working. So I have done programs. I've been to seminars for personal development for growth. I've done several. I've listened to some really amazing, great speakers in person. And obviously a lot of books and podcasts, but I've also done programs myself and I'm currently doing one of those. So I will share on that. I am currently doing a three week reset. There is no strenuous exercise. Yoga is allowed. Walking is allowed. 
And that's it. And stretching. So you're not supposed to work out and you cut out all caffeine, all processed foods. Week one, you phase out all animal products. Week two, you phase out grains. So we are in week three. We are down to just fruits and vegetables. That is it. There is so much food, so much food, so much food. This is not a you don't eat a lot of food. You can eat a crap ton of food when you're eating the right food. One of the reasons why I want to mention this is because a cleanse, a good cleanse, I, I, don't, I can't speak for all cleanses and I'm not here to dog any cleanse. I wouldn't focus so much on the physical results you see. I would ask about the mental results. How did you feel your energy, your mind, you know, sure during, cause that matters. Some of them are really hard to do. I had never done a cleanse before. And my main thing was, is even though I knew I was a horrible eater, like I still need food. I cannot just live off of liquid or nothing for any amount of time. And so I didn't want to give up some real solid food. But we have two cleanses that I have done several times. One is a three-day cleanse. One is a 21-day mega cleanse. And I say mega cleanse because it doesn't... Like, I am cleansing my mind, my body, all of the things over here. And I feel absolutely amazing. I didn't record a single episode all of 2023, and I've recorded four or five, I don't even know, in the last like week and a half since starting this program. A cleanse can be helpful. A cleanse can be very helpful for your mental state because everything we eat, everything we breathe, everything we put on our body, put in our body, all of the things, they have toxins. And so we're constantly taking in toxins from everything. And you wouldn't keep driving your car without changing the oil at least once a year. But yet we expect our bodies to run for 40, 50, however many years and never clean them out of all of that stuff. The most impactful cleanses that I've done was in 2016. I had broken my neck in a car accident like two or three weeks before this. And I was on heavy narcotics in the trauma unit I remember them telling me that I was maxed out on morphine and I was still in like excruciating pain I was sent home with heavy narcotics and then I switched to tramadol which is a light lower narcotic but still a low level narcotic and I had several x-rays they thought all of my all the bones in my hand were broken. Turns out they weren't. Um, I had several x-rays on my on my hand, on my arm, on my knee. And I, I had a CAT scan. I think I had an MRI. Like, I had, I had all the things. All the things. Right? And then several, another x-ray, like, post for my neck. There was so much. And all, you think all of that isn't trapped inside your body? I had done work. I had done a lot of work at that point, but nothing that I did was bringing me back. I was recognizing that I was going down a very dark road and I couldn't, I couldn't regulate it. I couldn't flip it back. It didn't matter what I listened to. I couldn't exercise and that was huge for me because it was a huge stress reliever. It was a huge tool for me at the time. And I tell people this because I will never take for granted being able to move my body again. Not being able to exercise for three months was hell. It's different after you have a baby. I, you know, that six weeks for me was nothing like the accident. And even when I was starting to feel better, still couldn't work out. And then it was like, I didn't finish a program until the end of that year. I think it took me like 10 or 11 months to finish a program. It was an exhausting year, but if I didn't have my at-home workouts and if I didn't have my accountability and my support and extra tools like that cleanse, I don't know if I would have made it, let alone made it sober. It was dark and I couldn't, I couldn't work out and I didn't 
you know, I had, I had no idea what to do, but I had done a cleanse before and I felt really great after. And I thought, well, I don't have to work out to do that. I can do that for three days. Let me try that. When I tell you I woke up on day four feeling like myself again, it was, it was everything, like everything. And every time I do a cleanse, I feel great after. So I, I'm pro cleanse. Every once in a while, I would do the three day one once or twice a year. This is the first cleanse that I've done since I want to say 2020. I might have done a three day one somewhere in the last four years, but it's been a while. And I can tell that I already feel amazing again. So wanted to share that because we do get clogged up. We get clogged up with a lot of stuff. And if you're not, you know, doing anything to cleanse it out, then you're working harder than you have to. We'll say it that way. All right, in my notes, I am up to neurotherapy and I am so freaking excited to share this. I don't think I've shared this in a podcast episode yet. I started, and I'll tell you the reason why I started. I reached out to my therapist two, three months after my ADHD diagnosis. I was diagnosed with ADHD at 39. It's in previous episodes. I'm not going to get into all that. But a few months after, I reached out to my therapist that I had done EMDR therapy years ago with. And I said, I need to come back for EMDR. I was diagnosed with ADHD and I'm going through the five stages of diagnosis and I can't handle it. I can't handle all the pain and all the anger and all the rage that my life didn't have to be as hard as it was because that was really hard. I was so grateful to finally understand who I was, but it was really hard to accept that had someone seen that, tested that, any of those things, that I could have had a totally different life. And where I am now is that (laughs) I'm so damn grateful that no one saw me. I'm so damn grateful that I struggled for so long and that so many times and so many different people got it wrong. Because now I know what I need to fix. Now I know where I can put my focus and my energy. Now I know what it's like and I will do everything in my power to make sure it doesn't keep going like that. And that's where my nonprofit comes into play, the Brain Buddies Foundation, getting a QEEG into every elementary school and scanning with a non-invasive, precise brain scan that if and when you need to know, you have the data. You have the info. There's nothing that says you have to do something, but if you want to go on and do things, you're in the perfect place for that. I have never felt so seen as I did after my first QEEG, and I thought I was going to feel seen after my ADHD eval because I already had the diagnosis. I was already on the meds. I went for the eval thinking I was in the right place. I was finally going to be seen. It was going to be like everything was going to be aligned. And then they came back with a bipolar 2 diagnosis. Again, another part that had to happen for me to see where we are getting it wrong. But when I called my therapist and asked her about EMDR, she was in California training for neurotherapy. And she said, I have this really cool new technique that is like EMDR therapy, but it'll get you there faster and you don't have to work through it all emotionally. And I was like, wait, what now? I don't have to feel the pain, but I can just heal the things? 
That's like one of those things like, sounds too good to be true. What's really going on here? But at the same, like I didn't have those thoughts. I was like, yeah, sign me up. When can we start? I had my first brain scan in April of that year. And in March of that year, I went on one of our annual reward trips with body. We went to Punta Cana. And I was only a few months into my diagnosis at this point. I hadn't started neurotherapy. And I want to share this with you because this is some serious emotional dysregulation. Travel days are always hard because I don't always get enough food and your food affects your mood. (laughs) And I usually pack all kinds of snacks because I'm gluten-free, which makes it even harder to travel. But we got there and I like, I even shook a shake in like, room temperature like water like warm water and chugged it on the back of the golf cart because i was like i need nutrients i need food i need fuel i need something i could feel the meltdown was coming so i am a cannabis user this is no no shock to anybody but unless you're really new here (laughs) but i didn't take it Mark didn't want me to take it out of country, and so there was a part of my brain that was mad about that. And I had my ADHD meds, but here's a tip. If you don't eat enough food, they don't actually help. Especially, I was on Adderall, and it is an appetite suppressant, so you have to eat more food, and you have to drink more water than normal. And on days when I would take my meds, and you know I took meds twice that day so that I could be regulated on a travel day, but I didn't eat enough food because it was a travel day. And so they kind of backfired on me. And I can only describe what happened that night in my hotel room as a massive meltdown, and I did it out loud. It took me a year to realize what had actually gone down and why I behaved like I did with more mental work, with doing more work, was because there was a part of me, we have many parts to us. There was a part of me that was mad at Mark because he wanted me to leave my cannabis at home. Totally legit request. Like we're going out of country, flying, all those things, right? So it was going to let him see what it was like inside my head. So I didn't hold back. If my brain thought something or felt something, I said it out loud. If my mind said, this sucks, hit yourself in the head, I hit myself in the head. It might have been one of the worst nights of his life. We have talked about it since. We are okay, but we are going back to Punta Cana next month with our girls. And there is not a part of me that fears that that would happen again. That is what I want to help other people achieve. So back to neurotherapy. Oh, I will do a whole separate episode on neurotherapy because there's just too much to get into and we're already at like 40 minutes. But I will say, I will give you a couple examples. So I just sit there with a funny hat on my head and it does send, there are three forms of stimulation on my brain. And one is a little bit of actually like electric current and then the red light therapy and then the electromagnetic current. So it's a little of what we call the zappies, although my daughter, um, she hasn't been to neuro in about a month, but she was doing a silent treatment. So for children, they have silent treatments where you don't actually feel the zappies. But so you sit there and you have this funny hat in your head and it's fine. Like I would work on my phone or do whatever for 30 to 40 minutes. And you start going three times a week. By the time I was done, I was going once a week. I did six months of neurotherapy. And the entire time I was doing it, I kept decreasing my ADHD meds for two reasons. One, neurotherapy was teaching my brain how to do things on its own. 
and it was retaining that information. Two, it was increasing the blood-brain barrier. So my body was actually getting more of the meds that I was taking. So neurotherapy will typically or can reduce medication dosage or use, which is phenomenal, phenomenal. When I started neurotherapy, in order to get scanned, you have to be off meds for 48 hours. So no cannabis, no ADHD meds. And so I just told you what Punta Cana was like without, without cannabis and my ADHD meds not working. And so then I had to do that for 48 hours. I still remember the first time that I went off meds after being on meds. The emotional dysregulation is what I notice most. So I do share that too, that maybe talk to your doctor about meds. I'm also sharing that there are things you can do that are not meds. I am not currently taking any meds. That is another reason why I'm doing the reset right now. I am cleansing out all of the ADHD meds that I've taken on and off over the last two years, less off in the last year than on, but they did really help. They really, really helped with the emotional regulation. And I think that that was the thing that I struggled with the most because if I could regulate the emotions, it was easier for me to make myself do the things. But when I couldn't regulate my emotions and when I couldn't control my thoughts, positive or negative, it was so hard to keep it together and to do the things. I had had nine sessions, so it had been three weeks. Three weeks. And I remember I went into the session and I said, something's happening. Like something is shifting, but here's the crazy part. You don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. You don't know what your brain is releasing or healing or changing because you're not actually talking through it. You just sit there with a funny cap on your head and then you come back and do the same thing. Like it's not like regular therapy. Of all the neurotherapy I did, we did one session while we talked while I had the cap on my head, like an actual therapy session. It's wild. It's wild. And my, my brain likes to be involved. So there was a part of it that's like, I kind of want to know what it's releasing. I kind of don't want to know. Like, this is weird. And so that time we did a calming session. I was watching Big Hero 6 with my girls that weekend. And I cry at movies, at every movie, I cry. I can't not cry when I'm watching movies. Like, doesn't matter what it is. And usually, if my brain sees something sad, it pictures it. Like, it is like happening to me sad. I'm not just crying for them, I'm crying for me. It's a whole freaking thing. Hate it, right? So we're watching Big Hero 6. And I have done so much work that I even recognize how it moves in my body. First, it starts with my stomach tightening up. Then it moves up and my throat feels like there's something in my throat. And then my eyes and the eyes start to well up and then the tears. And that's how it moves in my body. I even know, right? So my stomach tightens up, my throat does the thing, my eyes start to well up and suddenly there's a voice in my head that says, I will never forget this. This is not your pain. And my stomach immediately released, my whole body released, and I said, what was that? Like that had never happened before. My brain had never told me, this is not your pain. Never, not once. It never stopped me from feeling someone else's pain. I don't know if it just didn't know how to make the distinction or what, but that was so new. And now my brain may not always say that to me, but when I feel it happening watching a movie, I will simply say in my head, this is not your pain and everything releases again. It's the craziest thing. Like, 
but so, so cool. So that's one amazing, crazy neurotherapy story. And the next one that I want to share is kind of a two-part, but I, every year, I hit a goal 12 months in a row. I think I'm sitting at like 97 months. This will be month 98, which is crazy because I just started this because I was desperate and wanted to lose some weight, and it has been 98 months of helping women do the same thing. But if you hit this this mark every month, they send you this a big prize. And one year it was Ray-Ban sunglasses. I had gotten them in like March and we went on a family weekend trip to Annapolis that we do every year. And we're on the boat, we're on the front of the boat and we're being silly, me, my daughter and my dad. And my daughter says, dance party, grandpap. And we start, and he's barely moving. My dad's not a dancer, but still, when we say dance party, you dance party. So the Melissa, that is sometimes too much, said, grandpap, that's not a dance party. This is a dance party. And I put my hands on the rail and I went whoosh. And my sunglasses went off my head, that bumped off my dad and into the bay they went. Now, this is particularly hard because my best friend had told me that I should take a backup pair of glasses to Punta Cana because I don't want to lose my nice glasses that I earned, right? And I freaked out on her a little bit. Being diagnosed late in life is hard. And I will keep saying that because it's hard to accept all of that reality. And I was struggling. I was feeling unseen and unheard. And that felt like an attack to me that I was going to forget it or I was going to lose them because I'm so like, whatever, right? So... I freaked out on her a little bit about that. And I didn't take a backup pair to Punta Cana and I didn't take a backup pair to Annapolis. I mean, there was a pair in my truck and I definitely flung my glasses into the river. So immediately, immediately, my brain starts in with the negative talk on how could you do such a thing? Of course, if you weren't being extra, if you didn't have to be you, you would have never lost your sunglasses. You spent a whole year earning those and you didn't even get them for like two months. Like all of the things, the shame, the blame, and the guilt, they all came to the party real quick. Later, when we got back to our campsite, because we used to camp and boat with both sets of grandparents, which is amazing, one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite trips. But I was in the camper laying down. I was like, I just need some time. And I started to think, I had just bought a couple random gifts for my friend and sent them to her. And I don't know, I think it was like $50, $75 ended up being whatever. And my brain is like, you just spent X amount of money on her last week without blinking an eye, yet you're, you lose your sunglasses into the bay and you don't even consider the possibility of just buying yourself a new pair to replace it like you would for a friend. Like that's, that was new. My brain had never shown me kindness like that. I show kindness to other people. And it even said, if this was any of your friends and this happened to them, you would be buying them a new pair and sending it to them. And yet it's you and you're gonna beat yourself up over something that you didn't even pay for, you earned and you got for free. And so I pulled up their website and I think I looked and it was like $130. And I know that's a lot of money, but it wasn't so much money that I couldn't just replace my sunglasses and not tear myself apart forever and ever. 
because I'm fun and silly. Before neurotherapy, I wasn't able to show myself that kind of love and compassion. And it was really hard because I spend my life showing it to others. And it was the first time that my brain stopped dead in its tracks and was able to flip the switch and get out of it. So we ordered me a new pair that weekend. They came like later that week or something. And it was fine. The next year, (laughs) the free gift for that same thing, the 12 months, was a Lululemon hoodie. And I loved it. I was obsessed with it. Wore it like every day. And it had a little like faded like logo of the body logo. And we took it to Great Wolf Lodge. We chose not to take our trip to Mexico that year. And instead we met my sister and her family at Great Wolf Lodge for the weekend, which was so much fun for our girls and the cousins. But my daughter had my coat on, my hoodie on, and she went into the bathroom with all the other girls to change. They had to change into their bathing suits, and she put the hoodie on the back of the door and left it there. And by the time I remembered later, I went down, but it was gone. I checked the lost and found. I checked with the front desk, and it was gone. And I was like... So I went out to the truck, medicated with my cannabis, and I thought about, okay, what am I focusing on? If I focus on the fact that my jacket is lost and I lost something, that I am hurting, that I am missing something, then my daughter is just going to blame herself and feel bad about it. And that's not what I want. So I had to choose what I focused on. My focus was showing my daughter that same kindness that I showed myself a year ago and showing her that people matter more than material things. Our emotions matter more than material things. So I felt the feeling of the loss because I did feel that while I was in the truck. And I got myself to a good state. I have a peak state playlist that I will put on and jump around and shift my focus, shift my energy. And I went upstairs and I was able to tell her very calmly and not mad or emotionally charged that maybe it'll turn up and if it doesn't we can buy a new one remember when i threw my own sunglasses into the bay last year i loved those because she was like but you loved it you love it and i lost it i'm like baby things get lost it's okay your feelings matter more to me than a jacket and they got me a new one for mother's day that year and so That one hits particularly close to home because it was something that I did for myself that was new for me. And then a year later, I was able to use myself as an example for my daughter so she knew I meant it. The last thing that I'm going to talk about is Tony Robbins. And this is not a sell for Tony Robbins, but... He did play a huge part in my personal breakthroughs, helping me push past limiting beliefs, helping me understand how my brain works even better, shifting the focus, changing the meaning, and rewriting my story. And not just my story to come, but my story from my past. And I think that that is so powerful and what did it the most for me. In one of his programs, Date with Destiny, you go through 
It is six days and nights. <laughs> and it's intense, but you go through and you rewrite all of your your values and all of your rules because we all have things that we value that we want. And then we have values that we don't want and we do things to avoid. But each of those values has a set of rules that we created or that someone else created. And for most of us, these rules were created when we were very young. And for someone like myself, they weren't serving me. And so I'll give you an example. The top thing on my list was love. You would think that's great. Everybody wants love, right? That's a good thing to want. But my rules were so fucked up. In order for me to feel loved, I had to be less. I had to need less. I had to be quieter. I had to be smaller. Or I had to be incredibly broken. So the thing that I wanted most in life in order to get it, I either need to be not myself or broken. And then like, it was like that the whole way down. And that was my good list. That was my good list. And then my bad list was even worse. And when I saw this on paper for the first time in my life, I understood why I was so depressed. I understood why I had suicidal thoughts and ideations. I understood why it felt like I was constantly stuck between a rock and a hard place because I was in my mind. And then you rewrite all your rules and all your values. And I don't think that I actually felt like joy and unconditional love until I was 40. Which is kind of sad to say, but your brain is constantly distorting, deleting, or generalizing your life. And the more you know about it, the more you can control it. That, in a nutshell, is what I've learned with Tony Robbins. I was so moved and changed. My, my brain scan, my QEEG after Date with Destiny was compared to Albert Einstein. And this is someone who struggled with undiagnosed ADHD and depression and anxiety and addiction for 39 years. And then a year later, I'm told that I have the brain of Albert Einstein and that it is moving so fast like a genius that they wanted to slow it down. And I was like, no thanks, I'm good. I like feel the vibrations of the earth up in here. I am good because my energy was so aligned. And I was seeing the world differently, literally. I left and I saw love everywhere because now in order for me, for me to feel love, all I need to do is see love, see someone holding hands, see someone gazing into each other's eyes, see someone cuddling, see a hug, feel a touch or embrace. Like that's all I have to do to feel loved now. I left that seminar, I left that week making it so easy for my brain and my body to feel the good things and so impossibly hard for it to feel the bad things. And from that moment on, I have chosen when I take medication and I haven't had it since, I don't know, I may have taken it like three or four times since August and it's February. I don't know if I've taken it at all this year, 2024. Regardless, my goal is to be my best self. And the current plan is that I can do that unmedicated. And I share that because even two years ago, I was doing all of those things and I was still struggling with the shame, the blame, and the guilt. I was managing but I wasn't thriving. And there's a difference. More on that to come. This was a good one. It was like an hour though. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna hop off here. I will see you guys. The next episode right now as of planned is Words Matter.
and it's going to be a good one and I'm really excited. So I will see you guys next episode. Thanks for hopping on. Thanks for listening and a reminder to like, subscribe, share, and check out my Hot Mess Success community on Facebook. See you next time.